Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good? Man, we are so excited to be where we uh in finishing up our series or finishing up our marriage conference. Sorry, I couldn't get the word out of my mouth. Finishing up our marriage conference this weekend. We had a good time. If you guys came out to the marriage conference, put your hands together for all you guys that had a great time. It was awesome. We had a blast and so we want to jump into the series that we have today called Games of Life. All right, Games of Life. And so uh, as we do that, we want to talk about not so much that how life is a game, but more about the idea that there are things in our life that we have to navigate through. Uh, there are rules we got to play by. There are guidelines we got to get into and how those games uh, are stuff that, quite frankly, you don't have a choice whether or not you're going to play them or not. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So uh, how many guys remember recess back in the day, playing at recess in elementary school and stuff like that? A few games. How many guys remember tetherball? You guys remember tetherball, the balls on the rope and hit it around, around the pole, and all it was was really an excuse to hit your friend in the face and get the ball right back. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then there was kickball. Man, I love me some kickball, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like every, there was no home run, but you were going to kick it as hard as you could anyways, right? And then dodgeball. Where are my dodgeball people at, right? What were our teachers thinking? Y'all know, like, like what, honestly, like what were, like here, we've got this game where you throw it as hard as you can at anyone you don't like, okay? So uh, you have dodgeball, but the game we want to talk to you about today is hopscotch. Turn your name and say hopscotch. hopscotch. All right, so we want to talk to you about hopscotch and how marriage and relationships is like a game of hopscotch, all right? Now, I know y'all are like, okay, I don't, Pastor, how are you going to tie this together? Trust me, I can do that. I was a student pastor for eight years. We can make anything make sense around here, okay? So... But marriage and relationships is like a game of hopscotch. And so take out your notes. You should have got them on the way in the door. We're going to jump right into what we have today. All right. So uh, I, I'm thankful that all of you braved the weather to get here. Um, man, I saw animals going two by two down Cervantes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, but here we are, man. It's a, so, man, we're excited. I know there's a lot of you guys watching us on live stream. You got little ones, kids with special needs. I totally understand, man. So thank you for tuning in. Let's jump right into what we got. So five things about the rules of hopscotch and how they apply to our relationships. So we're going to talk mostly about marriage because we're coming off a marriage conference. So today is a lot about marriage, but it's also just about relationships. I feel that we could apply most of what we're going to talk about to just relationships in general. So if you're single out there, this works for you. If you're married out there, it definitely works for you. Um, if you only have one friend in the entire world, sorry, but it works for you too. Okay. So man, like it's, it's a good time. So let's jump straight in. First, number one in the game of hopscotch is you got to learn to throw the right thing, throw the right thing. So in the game of hopscotch, right? How, how does the game go? So you throw a pebble or a rock or something, you throw something out there. And when you throw it out there, then you got to hop. And if it's one box, you got to jump on one foot. If it's two boxes, you jump on two. You mean you guys, like you've seen hopscotch before. If you haven't, like get out from under that rock you're living under. So, so you jump on one foot, but you throw the rock and that's where you start and then you go, right? But here's the thing. You, if you want to win the game, you got to make sure that you can throw the rock where you want it to land. And so when you're playing uh, and you throw the rock, and if you're playing against someone, sometimes they'll throw the rock for you, whatever. So when you throw the rock, here's what you got to do. You got to be careful because if you throw a pebble, it'll bounce around and you can't get it to land where you want. If you throw a big rock, sometimes you can't control where it lands, right? But then some people started throwing like bean bags or like pieces of like a foam ball or whatever and trying to do it that way. And here's what I feel how hopscotch equates to marriage, right? 
It's in marriage and in relationships, we have to be careful what we throw because pebbles in our marriage are those subtle things that are offensive and hurt our spouse, but we don't feel like they were a big deal. And so what happens in our relationships and our marriages is we'll throw pebbles that we don't even feel like are offensive to that person. And what happens is we can't control how they bounce around in the heart and in the mind of our spouse. And so we say something that was a real subtle jab and we feel like it wasn't that big a deal and it has kept them up at night. It's gotten down into their spirit. It has built an insecurity in them. It, it's become this full-blown thing. You're sitting there going like, I didn't even mean for it to be all that. Husbands, y'all ever done that before? Like you, a week later, she's still mad at you and you're like, what, what, what are we talking about right now? Right? Those tiny pebbles that bounce around and you can't control where they land. Then there's the big rocks. Now, if you've been married more than any significant amount of time, or if you even dated for a good amount of time before you got married, you know what the big rocks are. Those are those buttons that we all know to push, but that's like DEFCON 5, man, like, or 1, or whatever the worst one is, right? Like, in other words, it, how do we make our relationship go nuclear, right? You throw the big rock. You bring up that X. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, right, you, 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 woof. come on. All right. So then there's the big rocks. And man, when they land, they leave a big dent in the relationship. So we don't want to throw pebbles. We don't throw big rocks. So what do we want to throw when we're playing? We want to throw stuff we can control in the game. You throw a beanbag. You can control that. In our relationships and our marriages, we need to be throwing things that we can control. And we need to throw things. And I put the word I put, we need to throw things that are soft. What is that in our relationship? Throwing the soft things are things that are blessing to our spouse, to our friend. Like we're complimenting them. We're telling them. I, I, I look for every opportunity to text or call or, or see my wife and tell her that she's beautiful, how strong she is, how much I love her. Why? I've got plenty of reasons in a life of getting frustrated at other things that if I'm not careful, I could throw something at her that would be painful. I have to make the decision every day and every moment to throw something that's going to encourage her rather than tear her down. And in our relationships and in our marriages, we need to be looking to throw the right thing at our spouse or our friends or the person that we're dating. We need to be looking to throw the right thing. How many of y'all ever thrown the wrong thing? And as soon as you said it, you were like, oh, it's there. That's the damage is done, right? So man, we need to be looking to throw the right things. James 3, 8 through 10 says this, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. <clears throat> right? And it says that, man, this shouldn't be the case with us. Like, man, so what we have to make sure that we do is it's a restless evil full of deadly poison, and we bless God, but then we curse people. And it says in the scripture that shouldn't be so. And for us, that shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't be cursing or blessing God. We come in and we worship God. You're so good. We love you. We love you. We love you. But then we get around our spouse and we start cursing them and we start tearing them down or, or our friends or our coworkers or other people. We start tearing them down. Why? Whatever comes out of our mouth towards other people is, is automatically what comes out of our mouth towards God. And man, it shouldn't be that we try to bless God, but curse other people, but especially in our marriages, in our relationships, man, we should be taking care of those people that God has put in our lives. So man, make sure that we tame the tongue and we throw right things. Number two, we want to avoid the cracks. 
Avoid the cracks. So if you've seen hopscotch, you, you get out there with some chalk, right? And you draw the, draw the boxes on the ground. So one box here, one box here, two boxes there, one box, one box. But sometimes you got to draw a box and there's a giant crack going through the middle of it, right? I remember playing basketball back in high school. We used to play, we would play pickup ball on Michigan at the top of the hill. There's some basketball courts up there behind the fence, um, and man, I remember back in the day, there was this giant crater of a crack that ran right through that basketball court. And one person like almost died every single time we went out there to play. And like, cause it was this giant obstacle in the way. Right. And those same thing, those things exist in our relationships, giant cracks. One of the, one of the, one of, and I think one of the most significant giant cracks that I think pops up in people's relationships are ex-boyfriends and ex-girlfriends. You better avoid that at all costs. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There are, we've been married for eight wonderful, blissful, God-blessed years. And there are still names that we don't even talk about in our house. We use phrases like the person that doesn't exist or the name we shall not say. Or like, think like, like why? Because that's still a crack, right, in the game that we're playing. And so, man, we have to avoid some of those things in our life. And especially because for some of you, that crack has created a rock that if you're not careful, you'll be throwing the wrong thing. Come on. So like even bringing them up is almost detrimental. Anyway, so, man, we avoid the cracks. Some of the cracks are ex-boyfriends and ex-girlfriends. Some of the cracks are old wounds, old wounds. Some of us came into our marriage, came into our relationship with wounds, with hurts, with pains, and we try to hold our new, uh, whether it's our new boyfriend, girlfriend, our new, um, who, like our new husband, whatever, we try to hold them accountable to the wound that someone else caused us. And man, you got to be careful. You got to make sure you stay in some safe zones. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Some of the cracks, man, over 50% of the divorces uh, in America right now come from this one crack, financial problems. Listen, I'm the, I'm the spender in our relationship. Okay, I'll let y'all know right now. Where the spenders at in your, in your relationship, marriage, whatever? You're the spender. You like to spend the money. To me, I'm like, we got an extra $100. What are we doing? Let's go. Right? She's like, no, we need to save it. How many of y'all have said that to your spouse? We need to save it. What are you saving it for? To spend it another time? Let's spend it now. Right? Like, man. But thank God that, I thank God that he gave me a person that is a strength in my weakness. Because, like, have you guys ever seen the bachelors that live in, like, a real nasty, crappy one-bedroom apartment, but they have all these really nice things. That would totally be my life if God had not blessed me with my amazing wife. Like, I'd have a lot of stuff, but it would be in a house that's disgusting and no one would come over. Anyway, so, man, some of the cracks are financial problems. Some of the cracks are past mistakes, things that you did wrong. Not necessarily something that someone did to you, but past mistakes. And here's what I know. I would say the majority, I don't have a percentage because I didn't break it down, but I would say the majority of the marriage counseling that we do as pastors here at Transformation Church are dealing with cracks in people's marriages that have come from someone else before they got married. In other words, like so-and-so is, you know, uh, Mrs. Smith is making Mr. Smith pay for some, something that this other guy did 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, that's a, that, that's a realistic yet very unfair way to operate in your relationship. 
I get it. I'm not telling you that it's not a real thing. What I'm telling you is we have to find a real way to deal with it because if not, it'll tear you apart. And so we got to avoid the cracks in our relationships. James 1, 5 through 8 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's every man in here. Okay, I'm just letting you know right now. Like when it comes to your wife, you lack wisdom. So I'm just, all right. Uh, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, right? It says, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And this is the part, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And for, for ladies, it applies to you too. Like if you're a doubter, if you say, God, I really want you to do this work in myself and in my husband and in our marriage, I want you to do this. But then you have a conversation with your friend tomorrow and you're like, but he ain't gonna do it. God, my husband is never going to change. You're right, he's not. Because you are a doubting person, unstable in your ways. And we wonder why life brings waves that toss us around so much. It's because we're constantly in a state of doubting what God could actually do in our life. Your marriage is on the rocks all the time. It's because you're in a constant state of doubting whether or not God could actually resurrect it. If you're constantly telling your best friend how over your marriage is, stop praying for it because you're wasting your time at that point because you're confessing out of your mouth that something's already done that God might want to resurrect. And so, man, we have to not be double-minded in what we're asking God to do in our life. Whether it's our marriage, whether it's relationships, we've got to be very careful with that. Number three, we've got to stay balanced. We've got to stay balanced. In the game of hopscotch, Right, you're on one foot sometimes, you're on two feet sometimes. Fellas, you've been tiptoeing through your marriage, sometimes you feel like you're on one foot, sometimes you feel like you're on two, because we've got to navigate through all the, anyway, so, but no, in all honesty, man, we've got to stay balanced in our marriage. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, here's, here's kind of what I'm talking about. So um, we have to be balanced. You've got to have the right people talking into your life, into your relationship, and into your marriage. A couple things I feel like you need to have the right balance of. The first one that I wrote down is wisdom and emotion. Wisdom and emotion. Why is that important? Because it's really easy for me to find friends that will talk to my emotions in my marriage, but it's a lot harder to find people that will speak wisdom into my marriage. In other words, I got I, some of you ladies, you go talk to your best friend, be like, he is doing this. You know what? You, you know what? You just need to leave him. Just leave him. Right? Because she's talking to your emotions. What you need is somebody to step in and say, look, you better get home and fix that. You, better, you, better, you need to do something about it. What you need to do is quit nagging somebody. What you need to do is change this. What you need to do is change. Like, in other words, you need someone to speak to you. It doesn't mean that it's always your fault. But there's always a way that we can fix ourselves to make our marriage better, no matter what the other person has done. Right? So, man, we step in. And whether it's relationships or marriage, maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's not even a romantic relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. And you're the one constantly. How many guys have ever been the person giving? all the time, but you never got to take in a relationship. Anybody ever been part of a one-sided relationship where you just sitting here like, man, I ain't doing, I, if I didn't call them first, we would never talk. If I didn't text them first, we would never talk. I just decided last year, like, look, man, people that want to be a part of my life will be, and those that don't, it's whatever. And I live with a lot more peace now than I did before. Just be cutting folks loose. 
unfriend button is hot on Facebook right now. <laughs> Why? Because I'm staying balanced, man. I'm not chasing people down. If you want to have a friendship, we'll have a friendship. If not, I'll catch you in the mall or something. We need to be, like, we need to be balanced. So we need to be balanced with wisdom and emotion. We need to be balanced with give and take. Relationships where, where I'm able to receive from people sometimes and not just be the one giving all the time. Right? We need to be balanced in experience and suggestions. What I mean by that, experience and suggestions. What I mean by that is, is this real easy to find people that have <clears throat> suggestions for what you should be doing? You need to find some people that have some experience in what you should be doing. That's why I love hanging out with old cats sometimes, man. I'm not going to describe what old is. So I don't want to offend anybody, but I love hanging out with old cats sometimes because I'll, you know, like they'll be sitting down. And I'll be like, hey, man, brother so-and-so, like you've been married for how long? 40 years. 40 years. Be like, how, how did you do that? He's like, man, I did this and this. And I'm over here like, this? uh-huh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not texting. I'm taking notes. Yeah, okay. Why? Because, man, those, they have some experience. I want that experience. Like, I want them to tell, man, you made it last that. Like, you've, you've worked through some things. I don't just want somebody that's been married for a month trying to tell me how to run my marriage. Like, y'all ain't even got out the honeymoon phase yet. Y'all can fix everything with, never mind, right? Like, <laughs> come on, like, so it's, y'all, I need some people that's been through a few storms to help me get through a storm. I don't need, like, man, I need some people that have some experience. I, you know, I, I laugh so hard. Facebook somehow became like entrepreneur center in the last three years where everyone that thinks that they can start a great business is on Facebook talking about it. And so people were like, I remember when I was in my entrepreneur state, man, I was starting businesses. And before I was 29, I had started four companies and I was doing all that. But when I, had done, when I was doing all that, I wasn't looking for people who were flipping burgers at McDonald's to give me advice on entrepreneurship. Now, no offense if you flip burgers at McDonald's. I've been there and I've done that. Okay, so that's not a jab at you. What I'm saying is I'm trying to find people who are where I'm trying to get, not who are where I was coming from. Y'all know like. And so we need, to, we need to get some people in our life to speak on where we're going, not keep looking back from where we're coming from. And some of us can't go forward because all we're doing is looking through the rearview mirror of life all the time and want to know why we keep crashing life. It's because we're not looking at where we're trying to go. We're looking at where we came from. And we need to stay balanced, man, on experience and suggestions. Me and my wife, we have to stay balanced on our love languages. Mine is physical touch, just like every other man. I'm not going to elaborate. There's young ears in the room. So they like, mine is physical touch. But my wife is gifts. She likes to receive gifts. And I used to try to communicate. Man, we had an awesome, awesome marriage conference this past weekend where we talked about love languages and personalities and all those things, how we can love our spouse better. And so my wife is gifts. Now, I've learned that. But for the first four years of our marriage, I was trying to love her the way I needed to be loved. So we're not that couple that just cuddles up on the couch. You know how you see movies where they fall asleep on each other. That ain't real life, man. That doesn't, it don't happen. If that's what you're waiting on, it's all a lie. You quit wasting your time. But all the, the married folks are the ones laughing. Just look around. I'm telling you right now. Like, all, <laughs> that ain't true. Uh-uh. Someone got one sock on. Anyway, so. But, man, I know for me and my wife, I used to try to show her love according to what my love language was. So I'm trying to say, baby, I love you and trying to love her the way I needed to be loved. And I wasn't loving her the way she needed to be loved. 
Therefore, we were in a friction state in our marriage because we weren't able to connect because I was trying to get what I wanted without her getting what she needed. Y'all feeling me? So we had to find a state of balance in our relationship where I was meeting her needs and she was meeting mine. And that's what a relationship looks like when it's balanced. And when it gets out of balance, married folks will shake their head and say friction starts to come in quickly when it feels like it's a one-sided relationship. But take that out of the marriage context for a second, and it still applies, man. Going back to the friends where you're always the one calling, you're always the one inviting them to dinner, but you find out they had a party last weekend and didn't invite you at all. We have to be balanced in our relationships and have real conversations about what that balance looks like, right? Uh, I love this quote by Eric Mason. Uh, It says this, it says, real men remain under the responsibility to absorb the setbacks swallow their pride and keep trying. Real men stay and stay and stay. This part right here though. When the man takes the risk and the initiative to learn his wife's language and understand her deepest needs, he is living out the heart of masculinity. See, a lot of men think that masculinity is this chest puffed out, muscle flexing, talking in a deep voice, running the house. That's not masculinity. That's a child's ploy at masculinity. All right? Masculinity is when you learn to love your wife the way she needs to be loved. Anything less than that, you're not actually a man. You're just a broken child who thinks he's a man. There was your chance, ladies. I'm just like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But in all honesty, we talked about this at the marriage conference. We talked about how every man in a marriage is still, to some degree, a broken version of the child they were before they grew up. And then we have to deal with that so that we can learn to love our wife the way Dr. Mason was talking about. So key, man. Number four, and keep going. Number four, you got to get over the current spot. You've got to get over the current spot. So number one, we got to make sure we're throwing the right things. Number two, we've got to avoid the cracks. Number three, we've got to stay balanced. And number four, we've got to get over the current spot. What do you mean by that? So here's the deal. Sometimes in hopscotch, you throw the rock, but sometimes other people throw the rocks. How many times in marriage or in relationships have you had to deal with people throwing things at you that hurt? Right? And so in hopscotch, what happens is you throw it down and you jump over it and you go through the thing and then you come back. But on your way back, before you can get done with your turn, you've got to jump over where the last rock landed. And in marriage, before we can move on to a healthier place than we are right now, we've got to get over where the last hurt landed. We've got to get over the pain that it caused. We've got to get past the offense. We've got to get past the hurt. We've got to get past what they said to us and what it did to us. We've got to learn to, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, forgive. We've got to learn to forgive each other. Because what happens is oftentimes for us, we think that forgiveness is for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. When we forgive We're not cutting them loose from what they did. We're cutting ourselves loose for being tied to what they did. And so we've got to get over this current offense that's in our life. And if you've been married, if you are married, or if you have 
great relationships in your life, you will learn that there is a constant stream of offense in our life. Oh, okay. Like there's a constant, how many guys, man, you got, you got, you got hurt by something yesterday and there's a good chance before the sun goes down today, if we even see it, that you might be hurt again, right? Like there's, there's con- offenses are coming at us constantly. And if you're in a marriage where they know how to throw the big rocks, come on somebody, like you have to get over that. So, man, we need to get over the current spot. You can't get going until you get past it. But here's the deal for some of us in our marriage that we need to realize is that we also can't balance on one foot forever either. See, some of us, we haven't been able to get over where we are. So we've just been standing in that one block on one foot trying to balance life. And because we haven't been able to forgive, we become exhausted where we are. And man, we have to learn. And I'm not, listen, I'm not naive, okay? Some of you need to forgive people for some stupid childish things that they did to you, and you're holding on to offenses that you should have let go of 20 years ago. But some of you have been hurt deeply. Like you've been wounded. It's not even that you're just hurt, you've been wounded. And for some of you, those wounds are decades old, and they've even shaped the person that you've become. So when I say, you need to get over it, you just sit there with a, yeah, okay, I would love to. Forgiveness has to start in the heart. And honestly, man, forgiveness has to start at a place of prayer. You know you're ready to forgive when you pray that God would bless the person that hurt you. And we have to come to a point where we say, God, I just want, not God bless them with a semi-truck to the face. That's not what I'm talking about, Okay. But I'm talking about God genuinely, whatever it is you have for them, Father, I just pray that you give that to them. I'm releasing them in my spirit from what they have done to me. I am forgiving them from what they've done for me. And for some of you, you have to speak it before you believe it. You got to tell yourself. Some of you need to write it on your mirror so you see it every day. Like, I'm choosing today to forgive. But here's the deal. Here's how you know if forgiveness is real. If forgiveness is real, you won't go tell someone else about it after you said you forgave them. Because what a lot of us do is like, yeah, I'm, I'm forgiving that person for what they did to me until we get around somebody. And we're like, man, I can't believe this person did this to me. <laughs> then you hadn't really forgiven them yet. You're talking about it, but you haven't done it. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Like, man, we need to forgive the people that have offended us. But in that forgiveness, when we've truly forgiven, we don't have any desire to keep re- like bringing it back up, to keep holding them accountable for it. No, no, no. We need to look how we can get over the current spot. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And here it is. Forgive each other. Just as Christ forgave you. And for believers, man, this is a big thing. And I think, honestly, I think that forgiveness starts at a root of understanding where it can come from. And quite frankly, where it has to come from. Is that forgiveness has to be rooted not in your own strength, but in recognizing your own need for grace. How many guys ever blew it, messed up, sinned, did something wrong? How many of y'all do it? Even after, even after that little thing on your shoulder was like, hey, don't do that. You were like... Like, we're going to do this anyways, right? Like, we've done it. We, we all, we've all blew it, man. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the God. There's none righteous, no, not one, which means that somewhere in our life, we've all messed it up, 
right? But Jesus, knowing that, chose the cross to forgive us of our sins. Man, we have to admit, and I'm saying we because I'm in this category too, we have to admit that we have been very selfish with grace. That we expect it from our Savior, but we don't give it to those who have hurt us. To much that has been given, much is required. And we have been given much grace. I have been given a lot of grace where God forgave me. And in some places he forgave me for the same thing over and over and over and over again because I needed it and he loved me. But I don't extend that same grace to someone else who has offended me over and over and over again. We have to find ourselves at a place that forgiveness starts at our recognition of how Jesus has already forgiven us. And we need to find ourselves at a place where we forgive them. Tyler Perry said this. He said, the most important thing that I learned in growing up is that forgiveness is something that when you do it, you free yourself to move on. Man, we have to recognize that God is ready to do something in life, but we got to get past. We got to get over the current spot, right? I wrote this down, this quote. I said, the greatest relationship and marriage that you can have is always on the other side of your offense. I'm gonna say that again. The greatest relationship and marriage you will ever have is always on the other side of your offenses. How many guys know that there's only one perfect person in this world right now? Only one. And I married her, my wife, okay? (laughs) Sorry, I took the only perfect one. All y'all out of luck. I don't know what to tell you. No. Uh, how many guys know that even if my wife or I, even if she was absolutely perfect through and through, her imperfection would set in as soon as I came on the scene? Come on, somebody. Because like, I can make her angry like no one's ever seen. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Another analogy I like to use is we, every once in a while, we'll hear people talk about and they'll be like, man, I'm just looking for the perfect church. I'm looking for the perfect church. And I'm like, man, when you find it, don't go. Why? Because you're going to mess it up. Like every church is perfect until people walk in it. Come on, like, y'all know what I'm talking about? I ain't saying y'all are messy. I'm just saying. Anyway, so, but how many guys know everything's good until people come on the scene? Come on, like, your marriage was good until we started figuring out these things, these quirks about each other. Like, oh, you do that. Oh, okay. We're going to have to get, (laughs) okay. Like, why? Because perfection right in our relationships perfection gets put aside as soon as the imperfect walk on the scene and so man we have to be ready to forgive because man we're all broken people and so we have to get over it but the greatest relationship the greatest marriages you can ever have is on the other side of the offense that is always there because you're always there And we can always talk about how our spouse does these things that we don't like, or I wish they weren't this, or I wish they didn't do that. In reality, if you would focus more on fixing you, you would by default fix this, right? Focusing on fixing the whole. Number five, lastly, there's only one player at a time. Only one player at a time. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about bringing in new people in your marriage. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? first service. I saw some people like, uh, what kind of church is this? No, it's not that. Okay. Like 
I went one player at a time. And what I mean by that is this, right? So in hopscotch, if you play it right, so you jump over, you go down, you come back, we've talked about everything, right? So you, you throw the right thing, you avoid the crack, you stay balanced, um, right? And then you, you have to get over uh, the current spot. But here's the deal, is that what we tend to do is what happens, what's the first reaction that you have when someone throws a rock at you? <laughs> Hold on, right? Like, we wanna go get one too, don't we? Right, some of y'all lying. I know y'all ain't that righteous. Right, no, I'm, but, but in all honesty, man, when, when someone throws something at us, our default is to throw something back. And here's the trick. The people that we're closest to are the ones that hurt us the worst when the things get thrown, right? When pastor has an old saying that no one can stab you in the back that's not close enough to hug your neck. And I was like, hmm. We just need to sit down for a minute on that one. But we you know, like, man, we, but that's so true. And so when people throw stuff at us, our natural reaction is to throw things back. But here's the deal. And I think this is just huge. This is relationships. This is engagement. This is marriage. This is everything. So just grab a hold of what I'm trying to say here. Is if we would learn to finish where we are before we took our turn to throw something, it would fix the majority of the problems we go through. In other words, if someone were to cause us an offense and we were to see how much that hurt, we were to take a step back and say, man, I really wish they would have thrown something different, but this is what they've thrown. So now I'm gonna navigate the cracks. I'm gonna stay balanced. I'm gonna get over this before it's the next person's turn. How differently would our relationships and our marriages be if we completely did away with our hurt before we got ready to throw something? Only one person needs to play at a time because here's what tends to happen. I talk to people about this all the time is we get into this bomb lobbing session at each other, right? How many of y'all ever done this? Any married folks, you've, you've done this or even people that aren't married. You, maybe you're single now, you've been in a relationship. It was like a long-term relationship. They did something that hurt you and you're like, oh, here we go. And then it, we, we just get to lobbing rocks and bombs at each other until one of us hurts the other one so bad that they decide to quit. Is that really the way we wanna live life? relationships, marriage, anything. How about we start extending some grace and only one person plays at a time? Oh, you're gonna throw a rock? Okay. I'm not gonna throw one too. Let me just take a step back. Let me look at how I can get over this. Let me process this pain. Let me get over it. And then we'll figure out what I'm gonna throw. Might just scale down a little bit and throw a pebble. No, I'm just kidding. Like we, look how we can throw something that will encourage the person that maybe just hurt us but we gotta get past where we are and understand that God wants to do something. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, come to me, all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And some of you, maybe your marriage is great. You're like, yeah, yeah, we don't really throw rocks at each other, but thank you for preaching today. Like, you know, like maybe that's you, but maybe some of you are in, are in some relationships or have been in some relationships, or maybe you're in a marriage right now where things are a little rocky, like things are tough. You're trying to work your way through that, what that looks like, or you've had those in, in the past. Here's what I want you to understand is if we're not careful and we don't get over our current spot and we don't get to where we get past what the people have thrown at us, we become exhausted. And here's what I want you to know is that Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. And I encourage some of you, man, you need to spend some significant time with the Lord so that you can come to a place where you can be rested enough 
that you can allow healing to come into your marriage and into your relationships. It'll never be perfect because you're in it. (laughs) But we can find a place, find a way for God to do something amazing in our life, all right? Let's pray. Father, we just love you today. God, we just pray that, God, we, we wanna give you, we wanna surrender to you. We wanna give you our relationships, our marriages. God, we want you to take control. And so Father, I pray right now, God, that as we get ready, God, for what we believe to be better marriages, better relationships, better friendships, God. We pray right now that we would focus on throwing the right things, God. I pray that even this week, maybe when a fence comes and we're gonna get ready to throw something that would be painful to the other person, whether it's a spouse or whether it's relationships with a coworker, whatever it may be, as we get ready to throw something, God, I pray that you would check our hearts, God, and we would look for the opportunity to be an encouragement rather than a discouragement in their life. God, I pray that you do that work in our hearts, God. I pray that you help us, God, avoid the the cracks of life, but that we would stay balanced, Father, that we would get over offenses. And and God, when we use that term, get over, we don't mean it likely. We mean genuinely forgive those that have hurt us, God, and that we would realize that we can't move forward with current relationships, God, until we get rid of old players in our life, until we recognize that only one can play at a time. We need to deal with current hurt. God, I just pray that you continue to help us move and navigate through our relationships, our marriages as we become whole. We thank you for it. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we do wanna give you an opportunity if you're in this place. And we talked a lot about marriage today, but here's the beauty. The perfect example of marriage the Bible gives us is how much Christ loved the church. That Jesus and God is an image, it's a picture of what marriage should look like. And we can look to marriage to see the same thing that we can look at Jesus and see. Jesus said, husbands love your wives as I love the church. And then he used a form of measurement. He said, and, lay, and how I laid my life down for it. And if you're in this place and Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe forgiveness is hard. Maybe all the, like, all the, what we talked about today, you're having a hard time putting together because Jesus isn't at the center of your life and he's not in control. But if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know him. I want him to take control of my heart and take control of my life. I want to surrender to him. If that's you today, I don't want to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to pray for you today. And I want to welcome you into the family of Christ. So if that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to do me a favor. Just raise your hand. I want to be saved today. I want to give Jesus my life. I want to know him as my Lord and Savior. I want to be saved today. I want him to take control. And as you do that, here's what we wanna encourage you. If you're watching us on live stream, we wanna pray with you today. And so here's what we wanna do. We wanna ask you to pray this prayer and the whole church is gonna pray it with you. And if you raised your hand or you did not, but you say, I want Jesus to take control of my life, pastor. I wanna surrender to him. Right now, we just want the whole church to pray with you. And if you declare this out of your mouth, it doesn't make you saved. What this is doing is it is confessing that you're putting your faith in Jesus, which alone makes you safe. So church, let's pray with our brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose three days later. Through your death, through your resurrection, I can be saved. I wanna follow you the rest of my life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that, perhaps for the very first time. Man.